from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. A 20-year veteran of the singer-songwriter folk scene, Katie Curtis has released 13 CDs, including 2014's Flying Dream, and performed at the White House, two presidential inauguration balls, Lilith Fair, and Carnegie Hall. She'll be in Columbus with six-string concerts on Friday, January 8th, more information is available about that at CraftTheShow.com. Welcome to Craft, Katie Curtis. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, we're happy to have you here. On your website, you describe the songs on your latest CD, Flying Dream, like this. What's eerie is how much the songs ended up being true to my life, and that it's no accident the album is bookended by songs that deal with choosing to not withdraw from life, but rather savor the simple, sensual, and sacred surprises it brings. So tell me about how your life affected your art in writing this latest CD, Flying Dream. Right, or my art affected my life, one way or the other. (laughs) Um, Well, there are a number of uh, stories in the the writing that, that pertain to taking risks. One of them, Flying Dream, was inspired initially by um, going to Guatemala where my kids were born, they're adopted and, and meeting their birth family. So that was a big, um, that was a big, you know, leap to take. And, um, and it felt like it was so surreal and amazing to be there in Guatemala with my kids' birth parents, um, and to have them you know, look so much alike and to have to hear my daughter's birth mom's they have two different they come from two different families each of them say um i love you so much and i'm so grateful um to to get a chance to see you and to know that you're okay and you know didn't want to give you up but you know but but had to and all the things that we had hoped they would say so that you know that was one of the big risks you never know till you let it go if it flies By the time the record came out, um, I was separated uh, from um, my wife of 15 years, and you know, making that decision for both of us was a huge leap. And um, I think, you know, sadly, the right choice for us. But um, you know, it took a lot of um, sort of, you know, feeling the deep stuff of what you know what's um, what's right for us. And so the record, um, when I recorded the record, we were still together and, um, and I wasn't really sure what some of these songs were about. And, and yet, um, you know, sometimes songs will forecast, um, uh, changes to come. It's like you feel them in your bones and you, you know, you sing stuff that uh, when I write, I don't always know what I'm writing about. I just, it comes, you know? And so, um, a lot shifted around between the recording and the release of the record. And and when you listen to the songs, it's not surprising. In addition to the many of the songs from your CD, Flying Dream, I'm sure you'll be performing some of your older material, like the song, My Dad's Yard. Tell me about writing this song. It's one of these songs that, although I wrote it many years ago, it gets requested. And and it's um, I think what sort of makes it kind of a signature Katie song is... Um, 
it's it's rooted in um, where I grew up, which is in Maine, and and my parents who are um, my parents are very down to earth, not materialistic people. And my dad would take us to the town dump and say, you know, pick something out, anything you want, <laughs> and you know, kind of as a as a teaching moment. And would would actually find incredibly beautiful things there, and and would also. Um, you know, just save things, and he—he's he, somebody who, um, literally, you know, the line is, "If you need something when times get hard, you can find it in my dad's yard." And um, and it ends with, you know, if if you need something, if you're falling apart, you can find it in my dad's heart. He's got an old chair. It's got no seat. Cracked snowshoes, warped wooden skis. Hardcover books, pages all turned brown. My dad has a reason for everything he keeps around. As a, as a songwriter and as a teacher of songwriting, there's something that I see in that song where, you know, you you have all these. There, the verses are filled with these images of um, of colorful and crazy stuff that he might save and then the chorus comes around to the sort of you know deeper meaning for some it's about dads and for some it's about love and for some it's about god which i did not intend <laughs> right but, um but you know i guess i picked that song because i think that it's uh what i like about songwriting is being able to convey something that sounds very day-to-day. It is very day-to-day. You know, the junk that people collect or, you know, like on on my new record with Flying Dream, um, you know, there's there's lines about, you know, this this box that I found on my, on my steps that was delivered by mistake or, you know, like simple everyday images that then, you know, as you reflect on them, you, you find a deeper kind of... Um, resonance in, in those images and um Badger, i think is the first song that i ever wrote that really captured that and and that i play every night so i figured i'd probably be playing it in columbus okay tell, tell me about when you write a song like that and it gets you thinking about the things that you have in your life and the things that you've collected does this translate into maybe more difficulty letting things go for you personally, letting objects go because you think, well, you know, that this is something that I've had for a long time and I'm nostalgic about it and I'm attached to it. Is that, uh, I'm just curious if that we had talked about art imitating or life yeah. imitating art or yeah. art imitating life. Is that something that well, resonates I, with I you? Well, I think that for, for my dad, now that I have this song called Dad's Yard, he has, has that problem even more. I mean, he's, it's his, he put it on his license plate, Dad's YD, and he actually started a um, little, he rents a little corner of an antique store and he calls it Dad's Yard. And he, and he has a really tough time getting rid of anything, but he always did. I, on the other hand, have rebelled from the way that my dad is. Um, I'd like to think that I'm also, you know, someone who can help you when you're in crisis, but on the other hand, not, I won't help you by having stuff because I don't, I get rid of stuff really easily because I, I can see what a burden it can be to, to um to be a saver and mm-hmm. you know bordering on a hoarder so <laughs> um <laughs> so does this so su- that's some that, that's that's where i do not imitate that art i rebel against R- it right does this suggest that you haven't taken your children to the dump and said choose anything that you want <laughs> uh, they don't even let you do that anymore <laughs> 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 
You know, I haven't been to the uh, to the to the dump in years, and uh, mm-hmm. when you were saying that, I was thinking I don't recall. I mean, I guess when I was there, maybe fifteen years ago, they wouldn't have stopped you necessarily from picking up things, but you know, uh, they probably don't welcome you uh, as you're you're yeah. suggesting to repurpose objects. Um, so- yeah. Well, actually, one um, sort of full circle thing when we went to Guatemala and met the girls birth parents, we also went to a school called Safe Passage in Guatemala City, and the school is set up for families um, that actually work in the Guatemala City dump um, collecting recyclable material. So basically, extremely poor folks who walk through this stinking, disgusting um, garbage heap and pick out metal and scraps and, and you know, make pennies a day, maybe maybe a dollar a day or something, re- re- getting these things recycled. And we, our kids, so we look, we, we sort of watch this going on. And so I, I did bring my kids to the dump, but it was actually in order to um, then bring them to the school and, and we had brought school supplies for the kids. And for them, you know, I do think that it's important for kids, especially in our materialistic culture, to get a chance to see how the rest of the world, you know, parts of the world live and, you know, Sort of how spoiled we can be right. here in the states. Um, so that, so in a way, yes, I did bring them to the dump. Okay. And while we're on the uh, the idea of topics for songs, um, I noted that your uh, you run a songwriting retreat in Maine every summer yeah. called Katie at the Cove. Uh, tell me about writing, running a retreat like that, and the kinds of you know the ways that you deal with people bringing in topics and developing them, uh, say, into songs. If somebody comes up to you and says, I want to write a song about, you know, not being able to let go of things, let go of objects. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love this. I, so we sit in a group. We do, um, you know, probably like three hours a day of group, you know, sharing and brainstorming. And then the rest of the day, people are out in their own, um, in a tent or up in a room somewhere writing. Um, and the, the idea of the retreat, it's a little bit instructional, but the, the main idea is that people are way too busy in their lives to be, to be creative. And so this gives people a chance. We feed you, we put you in this very inspiring, gorgeous environment right on the coast um, of Maine in the woods. And we say, just, just go trust your muse. And then um, I think the best way to teach people how to write is to bring bring a group together in a really safe, supportive environment, share a song and get feedback on a song. Um, You know, and we do that, like, you know, somebody could have an idea about writing about junk they can't let go of. And as they, maybe they have two lines and then the group might help them think about other images they could use or a way to, you know, express it that they hadn't thought of. Um, You know, and then they go back to their little writing spot and keep working. Um, it's an incredibly uh, uplifting to me experience. I love doing these retreats and I love what um, comes to people when they give themselves the time and the space to be creative. What are some of the things that you find yourself telling people most frequently when you're in a a group like this, where you, you think that this is a consistent thing that people who are writing songs bring to the table, but need to work on? I think the use of concrete imagery, I mean, this makes sound really basic, but the use of concrete imagery in a song, um, 
is essential to me. Without it, you end up with a sort of nebulous idea that floats around and can't be pinned down to reality. Um, you know, and the, the concrete images could be, uh, you know, colorful and interesting. Or they could be, it could be conversational too. I mean, a sort of concrete conversation that passes between two people feels, you know, a little more stabilizing than just a bunch of, of um, ideas. I think one of the biggest problems people have as beginning songwriting writers is to, is to try to write about ideas without using really concrete metaphors to, to sort of build the idea in the song. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think you've, over the 13 CDs that you've written changed a lot in the way that you write your songs? Do you notice your own movement towards more concrete imagery or uh, does that function in a different way for you as a songwriter? Uh, you know, it's, I think it's it's one of the things that I got, I, I sort of grasped early on and, and really helped me to um, get started is, um, is, is including that kind of language. I mean, it, for one thing, I, you know, I'm from a family that's very, um, down to earth and I love plain spoken songs. I love, you know, folk songs. I love John Gorka and Greg Brown and folks that really speak, um, humbly and truthfully. So I, I think that's, um, that's something that I've, you know, I just try to get more, uh, playful with, I guess. And, 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 uh, I think by performing songs, you get a real sense of what images people respond to. Um, it's not always what you think you're going to respond to. So right. performing has been a really important element to me in the process of songwriting. Okay. And speaking of performing, um, you're the producer of Voices United Concerts, which uh, at one point, uh, I think a year or so ago, produced 75 performances uh, on one weekend um to mm -hmm. across the united states one in every at least one in every state so tell me about that organization and what kind of upcoming things might be coming out of voices united concerts right well we started out doing a whole bunch of them like like you said this past year or a couple of years we've produced fewer concerts with bigger names we've done ani defranco and um mosaferic mary chapin carpenter sarah silverman and we have a dar williams concert coming up so the organization, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, uh, exists to um, hold up, uphold the laws of um, church-state separation. So whether it's, um, you know, people being asked to um, pray in a public meeting or whether it's uh, discrimination against LGBT people on the basis of religion, um, you know, it's, or, or you know, uh, issues relating to reproductive freedoms. Um, AU is very involved in trying to protect a woman's right to choose. So those are the big issues that come up with church-state separation. And so these concerts um, raise money for that organization, which was founded in uh, 1947. Cool. And do you have, uh, you said there's one coming up with Ani DeFranco? We had one with Ani DeFranco in D.C., um, Last, uh, we had it last year. We have um, Judy Collins was going to do a show for us, and um, and Dar Williams has, has a show uh, in February up in Boston. So, I yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, producing these shows and 
people seem to be um, really receptive to the, to the music and the cause. Katie Curtis, thank you so much for talking to me today on Craft, and we look forward to your January 8th appearance in Columbus with Six String Concerts. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>